Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White. This week, we're taking our question from Reddit. It's one we saw frequently when we were planning this show, and we're excited to finally tackle it. The question, what is the gayest neighborhood in the Valley? To answer it, we're doing something a little different. We partnered with a reporter from our newsroom, Garrett Mitchell. Garrett went out with our producer, Taylor Seeley, to investigate this question. You'll hear from both of them in this episode. Garrett and Taylor, off to you. Hi, my name's Garrett Mitchell. And I'm Taylor Seeley. So, Taylor, what's the gayest neighborhood in Metro Phoenix? I have my suspicions, but I was curious what you heard. Well, Garrett, I did call the spokesman at Visit Phoenix, Doug McKenzie, to find out, and here's what he said. What would you say is the gayest neighborhood in the Valley? Um, The gayest neighborhood in the greater Phoenix area would be the Melrose District. It has uh, a lovely combination of uh, local artisans, restaurants, Uh, cafes and shops, uh, in addition to a a wonderful uh, architectural feel. You know, I just want to say, I knew Melrose was the neighborhood even before you called Doug. Yeah, I mean, I did sort of figure you knew. You spend practically every weekend there, am I right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Well, do you want to tell people your favorite things to do? Well, I love drinking at the bunkhouse. And then making my way over to Stacy's to dance to 80s music. And then ending the night at Filiberto's because I love myself. Well, you were definitely not alone in naming Melrose the gayest place. I mean, everyone we met there said that too. Um, for starters, what do you think is the gayest neighborhood in Phoenix? Well, definitely Melrose. Melrose District. Yes, it's just like our, like, row of just gay. I love it. It's our favorite. And then you can so Melrose is just slightly northwest of Phoenix's downtown area. It's a small, one-mile stretch of 7th Avenue between Indian School and Camelback Roads. When you enter the neighborhood on Indian School heading northbound, you're greeted by this large iron overhang that says MELROSE in all caps. The letters are white, and there's a pink S-shaped curve behind the O. It represents the curved roadway of 7th Avenue. I think the thing is, once you're there in Melrose, you get it right away. I mean, there's a rainbow crosswalk, pride flags hanging everywhere. The businesses do nothing to hide their love for the LGBTQ community. Right, I mean, take for instance our trip to one of those vintage shops. So we're at Modern Manor on 7th Avenue. There's a, an array of candy dishes, blown glass, vases, and things that you would find in your grandmother's closet that you didn't realize were as stylish as they are and still remain. What do you think of these wonderful lime green chairs? Oh, it's very nice. It's very smooth. It's very comfortable. I can see myself drinking a Manhattan in these seats and completely ignoring whatever my future husband would say. It was a really big space. Kind of picture a big warehouse, but the best part was meeting the dog. Is this your dog? Yes, that's Remy. I notice he's also in a, you know, rainbow shirt. She's uh, she's LGBT friendly too. <laughs> can I pet her? Oh, hi. <laughs> oh my God, I love those noises. <laughs> 
Yeah, that dog and her tie-dye shirt was the perfect, fun nod to the neighborhood. But how did Melrose become the gay neighborhood? We met up with a historian at Copper Star Coffee to find out. If you haven't been to Copper Star yet, picture this. It's a super old converted gas station. So when you drive up, the drive through for coffee actually still has two old gas pumps. There's a nice water fountain on the patio, and as you sit, you hear the busy whirring of cars on 7th Avenue. We went there to meet up with local historian Marshall Shore. Hi, my name is Marshall Shore, and I am known as the Hip Historian. Marshall focuses on modern Arizona history. Whether it be vintage signs, architecture, clothing, LGBTQ history, pretty much more that ephemera of history, the stuff that people just didn't seem to document very well. We asked Marshall about Melrose's history, and it turns out it wasn't the first gay neighborhood in Phoenix. So really the first neighborhood that we have is really that Roosevelt Row, the Cuerno neighborhood was really our first gayborhood, where in the 70s you had middle-class gay white men moving in. But even earlier than that, you had bars and people just hanging out. And so kind of like what's happened on Melrose, it's like first they went to go hang out there, and then they decided to move there. And so that's what's happening now here in Melrose, is people came here to hang out and then found great housing stock, mid-century stuff, and said, hey, you know, let's, let's move into that. When it comes to things to do that drew people here, um, in particular like LGBT community to this area, what was it? What were the things to do in the beginning? Was it just the bars, or were there other things that drew it? Drew people here? Um, from what I can tell, I think it was really the bars that started drawing people here first, and then they just started hanging out. So this was just one corridor that had lots of gay bars. We actually had lots of community bars across the city. So this just happens to be where they have the longevity. So basically, Roosevelt Row was the hot spot. And because of it, a lot of gay people moved into Coronado to be near that. And then it sort of happened again in Melrose. First people came because it was the cool place to be with all the bars, and then they decided to move in. Right. We also asked Marshall about the specifics of which bar opened first, what year it was, if it was explicitly a gay bar, or if it later became that. And his answer, I think, was one of the most fascinating. He essentially said that's part of the history even he still is working to uncover. You had so many bars changing names, and sometimes they would identify as being a gay bar. Other times, we don't know. So, I mean, you're really looking at more the 80s of when we actually have factual knowledge of when things opened. So that's why it's hard to say what was the first bar and when did it open, because it wasn't heralded in the newspaper saying, hey, guess what just opened up a brand new gay bar in your hood, because nobody wanted to know that. And the people that were going there didn't want everyone to know that either. Really, until the mid-70s, you don't have any gay press. I mean, the first gay newsroom was out of Tucson. Then we had Pride of Phoenix here, and then um, B.J. Budd's Sunday's Child. But until that, there was really nothing that was documenting what was going on in the community. One cool thing we should mention is that Marshall is part of a huge initiative called the Arizona LGBT Plus History Project with the Arizona State University Libraries and the Phoenix Pride Organization. And with that project, they're trying to seek out old materials to pinpoint more of the specifics about Melrose. So they are digitizing early periodicals 
And so once we have those, we'll be able to go through and take a look and see what was really going on, more of that micro-migration. And really that thriving, vibrant community of the 80s, kind of when we're talking about all these bars, there was so much community going on. I mean, it was like so-and-so was doing bingo in their backyard for this cause. There were all these things that were going on that wouldn't necessarily have shown up other than in, hey, come over here. So I think there were other things going on other than just the bars, but it's really hard to track that. Bars have played a huge role in the LGBTQ community throughout the years because they're really one of the few spaces where queer people feel accepted or safe. What would you say these bars do provide people? Um, That sense of place, that sense of community. And also that sense of chosen family. A lot of times people are here with no family, and so that's where they first make their connections and start building a new life with the support of those friends. Anyone looking to experience that sense of belonging should definitely head to Melrose on Thursdays. In particular, The Rock, a small gay bar that's one of my favorites. Okay, let's describe what it looks like. You enter what is kind of like a cavernous space. It's pretty dark. It, uh, you're surrounded by TVs that are playing RuPaul's Drag Race. So let's get ready for act one. Three, two. It's the perfect time to catch up with friends and dish on the show's drag queens. I think I like this one. This one sucks. My favorite was when one of the guys gets a call while the show is on, but he answers and says, Nope, can't talk. It's Thursday. Basically, you know better. Don't call me at this time. Oh, yeah, it's serious. Actually, drag is a pretty integral component to nightlife on Melrose. And the bartender, while we were there, introduced us to a drag queen who was sitting right next to us. She's a local drag queen, if you want a little drag perspective. She's got shows here. There oh yeah, I think you guys are doing like a little podcast thing? Yes! That's awesome. I was wondering what you were doing. That's Doja Stevens, the drag queen, otherwise known as Shane Wilson. So what are you guys doing? We are with the AC Central, and we're doing a podcast. Yes. We got asked, like, what's the gayest neighborhood or city in Arizona? Okay. So came to Melbourne. The Melrose, yes. It's just like our like row of just gay. I love it. It's our favorite. And then you can easily bar hop and feel safe that you're going to bars that accept you. So that's really nice. I love it. What keeps you coming back if it's not gigs? What keeps drawing you back to this area? It's the support and the love from everyone when you walk into this bar and oh my god, Doja has... You just feel like, I'm so glad I'm here. <laughs> I don't know. It's just welcoming. I love that. What Doja was saying about the friendliness of the area, I feel like was something we heard in almost all the conversations we had on Melrose. Yeah, I mean, I'm used to how friendly everyone usually is. I was personally surprised because we were carrying all this recording equipment, and I would think that that would make people at least a little hesitant to us. I'm sure that they've seen Stranger Things, Taylor. (laughs) I'm sure they probably have. It didn't really phase anyone, especially the bartender who treated us like family, made us lemon martinis, and introduced us to a drag queen who was seated right next to us. And then also Cassandra, the woman sitting behind us. When I first moved to Arizona, I did a lot of research. Hello, grad student. Um, I did a lot of research and I was like, all right, so where are the gay-friendly spaces? Like, where can I go? Where can I feel safe? 
Um, and I kept seeing a convergence of businesses in Melrose. So Garrett explained to everyone, who is Cassandra? Cassandra is a Melrose resident who's getting her doctorate in gender studies at Arizona State University. And she actually moved to Melrose from Tempe to live in a gayborhood. Yeah, I'm from Ohio. There, in my hometown, there was no gayborhood, like, at all. And, like, the little Midwestern kid in me was like, oh, my God, I live in a place with a gayborhood. Yay, I want to live there. So we asked her about her experience living in Melrose. And she noted how being a lesbian sometimes makes a difference. But as a lesbian, you have to be a little bit more cognizant of what bars are going to be warm and welcoming to you know, lady gays, because sometimes I'm not gay enough. Doja had a somewhat similar feeling. She hopes that as Melrose continues to grow and evolve, it does so in ways that are even more inclusive, including the lineup and drag shows. Um, but I think the communication has to be there of like, I want to see a drag king. We got tons of them. Who do you want to see? Let's bring them in here. I don't want to have a show of all drag queens. I want to see kings too. I want to see um, trans women, non-binary. I want to see it all and showcase everything. But the hope that Melrose continues to expand in terms of inclusion doesn't erase or negate what stands for now. Yeah, while Cassandra was fully honest about not always feeling equally comfortable at all bars in Melrose, she said that the area has absolutely not faltered in its queer acceptance. It sounds so silly, but there's an affective difference um, in the openness and the friendliness. She said that people on Melrose were friendly. And she said that she loved that businesses that weren't perhaps designated as a gay business were still promoting gay pride. Being willing to name it um, and having that explicitly seen, like, Copper Star is not a gay coffee house, but every year they always put up the rainbow flag for pride. As does Wagon Wash, neither one of them are gay-owned stores to my knowledge, but they support the community that they're a part of. Um, And so I think that makes a gayborhood that's willing to name and support a very specific particular struggle. Um, I'm not gonna pretend to speak for all queer people or all lesbians or all the LGBTQ+, but like, there's a lot of layers there. Um, A lot of guards that you have to learn to assume to interact in the world. Um, But I think a queer space means, remains important because it's that, that moment where those layers can fall away, even for a very short, brief glimmer of a second. And it sounds so trite, but it can be so reaffirming. That idea of having a space where you're 100% free to be yourself is something I think Melrose will continue to have. It's definitely still something on the minds of newer bar owners in Melrose. Like Audrey Corley at Boycott Bar. The bars play a big part in the gay community because it's your safe haven. It's where we go. It's, it's our churches, our community. It's where we gather. It's where we celebrate life. It's where we mourn people that have everything. The bars play a big sense in our community because, like I said, it is a safe haven. Boycott Bar has only been on Melrose for about two years. It's pretty easy to notice. It's in front of the Rainbow Crosswalk at the intersection of 7th and Glen Rosa Avenues. When you walk into Boycott Bar, there's a few things that stand out. When you first walk in the door, if you look to the right, you're going to see our famous ass lamp. Excuse my language, but everyone loves that lamp. Oh my goodness, that lamp was amazing. It was like three or four bodies holding onto a cylinder with their backs arched and their butts just protruding out. And that was literally the lamp. And then you're going to walk in and there's a big dance floor, a good-sized dance floor. 
head to the bar where all the magic happens, of course. That's where you come in, and then we have the bras hanging from the ceiling, which, like I said, I don't know if that'll stay, but that's part of our uh, personality. I think we counted about 30 bras dangling from the ceiling. Really, the reason we wanted to talk to Audrey of Boycott was because we knew she owned the newer bar on the block. We just wanted to see how her views and plans for the future aligned with other residents. Right. And they did. It was really sweet. She said she had dreamt of owning a bar and that, you know, she feels like she's living the high life now. And of course, she can't tell the future, but... She wants what everyone on Melrose seems to want, growth and continued LGBTQ acceptance and pride. That's kind of the thing. I just see it being the place to be where when you come into town, you're like, hey, I want to go to Melrose. I mean, it sounds like L.A. kind of when you think about it. You know, you think of that type of stuff. But I think I see it growing and just expanding and being a better community. Hey, it's me, Kayla again. Garrett and Taylor, I know you had a lot of fun reporting this episode. You had a lot of stories, and I'm wondering, what has stuck with you since then? Something that I thought was very fun about this was experiencing it with Taylor and being able to see Melrose through new eyes. I had to explain a lot more uh, than (laughs) I usually do, but it was worth it because I had to justify why these places mattered. Oh yeah, I mean, I was a total newbie. I had no idea what I was doing, but Garrett, you were quite the host. I appreciate it. Anytime we will order lemon drop martinis at The Rock, anytime. (laughs) Oh, I love this blossoming friendship. (laughs) All right, well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. Oh, and I would love to meet all of you. I'm going to be at the Phoenix Pride Festival at Steel Indian School Park on Saturday, April 6th, so come say hi. I'm planning to go on stage around 12.50 to tell everyone about Valley 101, which I know you don't need to know about, but I'll be hanging around after if you want to chat. I'll also be emceeing the Arizona Storytellers Project show at the Churchill in downtown Phoenix on April 9th. You should come. Five people will tell true stories about their life. You can get tickets for $12 at tickets.azcentral.com. It's a great show, and I hope to see you there. We're loving the questions you're asking us. Please keep sending them to valley101podcast.azcentral.com, or you can tweet or DM us on Twitter at valley101pod. You drive our show, and we need your questions and support to make it happen. I'm hopeful that you've already subscribed, but today I'll ask you to please leave Valley 101 a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio content. It helps other people find the show. And if you're really feeling friendly, you should tell your friend or your mom or your coworker to listen. All right, new episodes drop on Mondays. See you next week.